You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. So I'll, I'll be honest, I, I am quite nervous tonight. Um, and then even this morning, I had like this terrible dream that everything I said just went terribly wrong by the time we were done tonight. And I was like, well, I think that's definitely a spiritual attack. So there's two things I could do with this. I could say, yeah, uh, you win, Satan. Or I can sort of come up here on stage and say, um, we're going to talk right to your face tonight, Satan. So I'm hoping with what I have to say tonight that it touches some of you and that uh, I'm able to connect with some of you. Um, So starting off, I think we've had a lot of different ways that we have really seen a spiritual outreach as of recently. Um, After all, we wouldn't even be here uh, today um, here at Dinner Church if it wasn't for our ability to reach out in the spirit. Um, I think back to just even the last year, uh, we were back in the warehouse and we were asked to just go through the warehouse and pray over it and see what we saw that warehouse eventually becoming. Um, I know we all sat down and no one even um, talked together what they thought it would be. And everyone had this resounding thought that we saw this church becoming um, a place of food. Um, Some people said a bakery, some people said a restaurant. And we all didn't really know what that meant at the time. Uh, Later on, Jamin had a word spoken over him that things were going to radically change for this church and we, we decided to act on the spirit, and here we are at dinner church. And I think it's just so amazing that we're even able to have the ability to do this, and just um, how we've seen a lot of fruit grow just through our ability to act on the spirit. Um, I also think of Kristen a couple weeks ago coming up and saying she saw all of us working together to build a spiritual community. That wasn't just Jamin leading, but all of us willing to share our thoughts and continue to help each other grow. And that's where I also felt a calling on my life to maybe share some of the thoughts that have been floating around in my head for a while. Uh, along with that, even Marie, I took the spiritual gifts class with Marie, and she, she mentioned that um, she found ways to enter in the spirit that she no longer felt silly in. She was able to raise her hand uh, to God, she was able to dance in the spirit, and she just felt open to move in the spirit. And with that, I also felt like I was learning new ways to interact with the Spirit, but I wasn't sure how that looked for me yet. Um, I know I've seen people who are like, I feel I'm calling to overseas to preach to people overseas. I have a calling to preach to this individual group. And for the longest time, I tried to sort of match myself with them and see how I fit in with um, how, how I could sort of pretend to be them even. But as I started to grow, I realized that that isn't what God called me to be. I'm not called to be that person. God calls me to be exactly who I am. So in order to grow in the spirit, I sort of went back and decided to think of who I am sort of as a core individual, a core person. Now, some of you up here, you see these letters and you're like, all right, I'm totally ready to nerd out with him right now. And other of you are like, what's in the end? That's, for those of you who don't know, that is a Myers-Briggs personality type. So the Myers-Briggs is essentially a personality type. They've done a lot of different studies on a bunch of different personality types to see how different people react to certain situations. 
So they ask you this series of questions, and as you answer all of these questions, at the end it generates your personality type. Um, just to be clear, this isn't like a BuzzFeed article where it's like, what movie are you? Fill out these questions and find out. Um, this does have a lot of research, a lot of scientific studies behind it. They're able to um, really try to give a good overview of who you are as an individual, your strengths, your weaknesses, and just a good overview um, overall. So just going through these four letters, uh, the first letter is you're either introverted or extroverted. So that tells you how you get your energy. Do you get your energy when you have alone time, or do you get energy when you're spending it with other people? So there you'll see I am introverted. Uh, the next one is are you intuitive or are you sensing? Um, the best way I like to describe this is how much do you act off gut instinct? Um, someone who is intuitive might act more of gut instinct, where someone who is sensing likes to do studies before they make a, an official decision. Uh, the next one is feeling and thinking. Uh, just backing up, the N stands for intuitive, so that is mine there. Uh, the next one is feeling and thinking. Essentially, it asks the question, um, are you more in tune with your emotions, or are you a little bit more logically minded? And then the last one is perceiving or judging, which I hate the word judging because it sounds awful for people who do have that J. Uh, but essentially it means are you stuck to a schedule or are you more easygoing? Um, do you, uh, just how sort of routine are you on a day-to-day -day basis? So all of these together make mine, the P is perceiving, so I am a little bit more easygoing and flowing with however the sort of situation starts to unravel. So I, I like to define this personality type sort of as a little bit dangerous. Um, mostly it's me acting off gut instinct based on my emotions alone, which, you know, that's, that's never something you want to be around. I'm sure some of you people have been around those types of people, and you, you might have been in some pretty interesting situations here and there. But regardless, um, I, I've started to just look at my personality type, and what I saw was the INFP is really always dealing with the what if. They're really interested in what if I did this, what if I do that. Um, I like to use the analogy, um, I, I always like the, someone told me, like, uh, you're told not to, you're told to think outside of a box, but all of our like workspaces are essentially in a box, so how do you think outside of the box? Well, I told that to someone who um, wasn't an INFP, they're like, just work in your office, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, it's like the abstract idea behind all of this. So it, it's really dealing with the what if. A famous INFP you probably know is Tolkien. Uh, Tolkien dealed a lot with the what if. I mean, when you look at, like, elves, like, that's a lot of, like, what if they're, like, these guys who had pointy ears and could use, like, magic? Like, yeah, that sounds crazy, but he was able to develop this entire world and essentially became the author of uh, fantasy just because he was willing to deal in the what if. So with that being said, um, that's, that's sort of my personality type, and I started to just embrace this in the fullest amount at, that I could. And I would say it was probably about a year ago where I felt that God said, I want you to draw for the church. I said, no, that can't be right. God, I don't draw. I, I don't uh, use my hands to illustrate. The, the best art I did up until this point was sort of my comic book, Piggy Berry, which was back in college. The whole point of this was I didn't want the art to be good. I didn't want 
um, the narrative to be good. I just want to create for the sake of creation. So what you see up here is a super-powered cow llama kicking the head off a robotic raptor. So I was like, I, I don't think God has any use for me to be doing this in front of an entire audience. I, I don't see how that can sort of connect to them. Well, move ahead a little bit further. Uh, there was one day where I just felt pretty down on my luck, and I just sat down um, at my table, and I started drawing this image right here. Um, some of you might actually know about this image. Um, a while back, I actually spoke in front of it and tried to see if it related to uh, anyone specifically in the room. Essentially, it's a man sitting under a tree full of dead branches. If you look closely in the upper right-hand corner, uh, you'll see the two hands sort of reaching out to each other. The one with dead branches is trying to reach out to the one with uh, branches with life. And below the branch with life is the lion, which is representative of God. So um, I just sort of said this out in front of everyone. I was surprised to see it actually did connect with someone in the room that day. So I was like, maybe there is more to this whole drawing for the church thing. Move on to October. And I don't know how many of you know about Inktober, but essentially it's a challenge amongst the artist community. Um, every single day of the week, they're supposed to draw something that relates to the prop up here. So day one, you draw a ring. Day two, you draw mindless. Day three, you draw bait. So on and so forth. So the first day, you might remember this too. Jamin described this image up in front of everyone. Um, and this is what I drew. I didn't know if it'd connect to anyone, but I had a hit with that first one. So I decided to try once again uh, with this image. Um, it didn't connect with anyone that day. But after that day, I had this sudden feeling like there was more to this story. Like this image itself... Uh, wasn't finished. So I decided that I would go through each individual day of Inktober, so all 1 through 31 days, telling a complete story beginning to end, and that is what I would share with the church. And this is where I said I'm a little bit nervous because I, I don't really like uh, sharing stories, especially this story I feel a little bit vulnerable sharing with you. But I do feel, like I said again and again, I feel like this is something that uh, should be shared with the church. So, beginning with this first slide, here we go. The man reached for a ring, hoping it would give him everything he would need. But when he put it on, he was bitten by the bat. This sent him into a mindless state where the bat's cries echoed their loudest. He became the idea. He began the ideal bait, and the lies and deception started to sit in. The man began to freeze as his realities began to shift. He migrated from his mind to his heart and began building and fortifying a wall around it. As he built, a husky sat and watched over him. He built his walls higher and higher, and by the time he was done, he built an enchanted kingdom upon his heart. A frail man entered the kingdom and approached the husky. He placed a hand on it and said to the man, Don't be afraid. The husky and I are here to crush the legions of bats that plagues your mind. The man had a vision of a pattern of ripe crops. While he didn't completely understand what it meant, for the first time, he, since the first time since the attacks of the bats happened, he felt at ease. The peace lasted only momentarily as the cold season got colder and the, began, the snow began to fall. In the man's weakened state, he was attacked by a dragon, the leader of the bats. The dragon decimated the kingdom upon the man's heart, and it became impossible to distinguish between the ash and the snow. 
Overgrown vines wrapped around the man's heart. The thorns stung, but the man held on to hope. The bats had taken his mind, but he wouldn't surrender his heart so easily. The man heard a legend of a being so powerful it could crush the head of the dragon. The man held on to faith that he would be delivered from the dragon's reign. The bats, the dragons, and the vine ran wild, but in the ma- if the man were to see his heart, he's not certain he would even recognize it anymore. The man saw a ring that he once chased sitting in a pile of leaves. The ornament he once desired so much was now only collecting dirt. It was now that he could see the deception. He wished he could take it all back. As the chaos ensued, the man began to feel like a misfit within his own heart. The man encountered a bat with a damaged wing. While he despised the bats for destroying his mind, he couldn't help but feel sorry for him. He wrapped the bat's wing in a sling, and in that moment, the vines began to wilt, and the dragon lost much of its power. The frail man said, it's time. Then he and the husky tread towards the dragon. The man went and found refuge in the deepest part of his heart. There he found a chest containing another ring. However, the ring was different from the first ring. The ring radiated with a sense of peace. He took hold of it and placed it on his finger. Upon doing so, the dragon lost even more of its power. After placing the ring on his finger, the ghost appeared to him and startled the man. The ghost said, do not be afraid. I'm here with the man and the husky, and we are here to bring an end to this nightmare. The ghost joined with the frail man and the husky. They spoke as one in an ancient tongue. The dragon and the legion of bats despised these words. One by one, the bats began to fall. The sheer mention of these ancient words made the dragon dizzy, and the havoc it caused came to a screeching halt. The man felt a weight begin to lift from his heart. Though the dragon was weakened, it was not about to give up. He spotted the man, and in a final burst of energy, he flew after him, shouting, Tasty! In that moment, everything went dark. The darkness dissipated, and the frail man placed a coat around his shoulders. The husky sat next to him, providing comfort, and the ghost was dissolving what was left of the dragon. The battle had finally ended. The husky offered to give the man a ride. He jumped on his back, and together they went to reclaim his mind. The frail man, the husky, and the ghost healed the man's injured mind, and new life began to grow from him. A safety net was created to catch the man in case he was to ever fall again. The man saw an orchard of ripe crops in the distance. As he approached, he sat and rested. The frail man said, You survived the coldest season of your life, and now new fruits are finally ripe. Share these fruits with others, and they too will witness a new life. So with that, I know there's a lot of sort of metaphorical um, in there. Again, as an INFP, we love dealing with the abstract, um, things that might not um, make immediate sense. I always laugh at the part of the Bible where Jesus tells a parable, and it's like, some people got it, some people did not. (laughs) And I do think that sort of talks to your spiritual maturity, but also I think some people just aren't good at metaphors as well. So with that, I don't always like elaborating on metaphors. I like people to come to their own conclusions. However, for the sake of this, I do want to jump at just some of the symbolism we saw in here, uh, just to make sense of some of the story in case it didn't quite make sense to some of you. So the first part is the ring. Uh, The ring in this case is the kingdom of heaven. So I think many people are always chasing after the kingdom of heaven, thinking they're so close to the kingdom of heaven. But on the other side of that, we see the bats. And the bats in this scenario are the are demons. Um, spiritual warfare, I think, is very real. And I think many times as we're chasing the ring, we might even have the best intentions. Um, something like, I want to be closer to God. I want to become more empowered in the spirit. 
But as we get closer and closer um, to that, the bats are able to twist the words that we hear. While we have all the best intentions, they're able to say, well, you haven't made it yet. Look at all the different ways that you've failed. We essentially become baits for their lies where they just continue to tell us, well, you still aren't good enough. You're still never going to make it and you can't be perfect. So why even try? And I, I think that's the big thing that we need to realize. I think there's a lot of sort of remorse that some of us can deal with. And that dread and remorse, I don't believe, comes from God. Um, I do think that is from demons. And I think that's incredibly um, important for us to realize as we're continuing to grow in God's word, that that dread and remorse that's holding us back, um, while those might be emotions, they aren't necessarily from God. And we need to remember that. I think um, once we start sort of feeling these emotions, we also start putting a wall around our heart to the point where we build an entire kingdom around our heart. And we show everyone, yeah, I got the kingdom of God. Look at this kingdom that's on my heart. Like, uh, yeah, I'm just like you. The thing about building a wall and building a kingdom, though, is the dragon, who is Satan, can easily decimate down those walls and show everyone who you really are. Um, and I think it's just so important for us to realize that just because we can build a kingdom and show everyone, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is a kingdom of God. It is simply just a kingdom. Um, finally, moving on to just some final thoughts. Uh, this is supposed to be the Godhead three in one. Um, to the left here, uh, we see the frail man. Uh, the frail man is supposed to be Jesus. And I always like this idea of a man who might be skinny, might seem weak, has so much power that he can crush the head of the dragon, um, that he, through love, compassion, <laughs> that might seem so weak to some, has so much more power than we can ever realize. Um, moving to the right is a husky. So you might say, well, why is God the father a husky? Well, one, because for Inktober, the prompt was husky. I was like, well, I guess I'll draw a husky. But as I kept diving into it more and more, I like the idea of the husky sort of being the symbol of um, loyalty, um, a dog always being loyal to you, always keeping watch, and always um, waiting for you to come back. Especially a husky can be the leader of a pack when it comes to like snow, uh, the snow sledding sport, whatever that's called. Um, I always like sort of him being able to be the leader. And then finally, the Holy Spirit, which I hear made the Holy Ghost. Um, I, I define the Holy Ghost as being a little bit scary when we encounter him. And I think that very much is true. Uh, being up here isn't necessarily the easiest or most comfortable thing for me. Uh, it calls us out upon the waters, and it can be very difficult to follow the Holy Spirit when it calls you to some dangerous territory. But I do think, while it's scary, uh, it does tell us that there is a sense of peace once we follow it, and once we fully embrace it and see where it can lead us. Just the final one here is uh, the fruit and the crop. I think as we go through the coldest seasons of our life, um, on the other side there is crops. Now, I will say I know spring comes after winter, so pumpkins and apples don't necessarily make sense since those are fall crops. But, you know, Inktober, trying to keep the spirit of sort of the fall, um, that's where the what-if INFP personality comes in as well. But I do think that this fruit that we start bearing isn't just for us. The peace, patience, um, self-control, all of that, that isn't just for us. That is for us to share with others as well. 
And I do think as we grow these fruit, others see that fruit, and they also want to partake of some of it as well. Um, so I give you all this story, and part of it is sort of a walk through some of my life as well. Um, I remember a couple months back, I, I just experienced this overwhelming sort of dread. Um, I was up a good amount of the night just thinking back to every regret, every remorse and decision I ever made. Um, things as small as back when I was like 10 years old, I made this really dumb decision. Why did I make that decision? And while I was at it, I was thinking that like God was just trying to make me reflect on who I had been. But that isn't the case. Um, that God does not want you to be like, look at how much of a screw-up you are. Yeah. That's Satan taking yes. what can be such a good thing and telling you you're a screw-up because you're not willing to sort of continue to grow in him. I remember even that night I sat up and said, whatever is in this room, please leave because you don't belong here. I am a child of God. And as days went on and on, I felt like I just continued to become stronger and feel much, much better. And I realized, well, it, well, I was able to sort of escape this. Uh, there's a lot of people where this is every single night for them. Every single night they're sort of having these flashbacks of the decisions and things that they've made throughout their life. And I'm here to tell you that's just not God talking to you. That's Satan trying to take you, having spiritual growth, and trying to rip you down. So with that, um, that is pretty much all I have to share today. We're moving into communion, and as we move into communion, um, I just offer you that communion, um, Jesus dying for you on the cross, um, that's not for you to feel this sense of remorse or sense of regret. That's for you to realize that you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside you, and you should feel the freedom to move and act in that. Um, I will also be in the back with the prayer team, um, should any of this feel like something that is touching your heart and something you feel you um, just need prayer over. If you do feel that sense of, I just always have these negative, regretful emotions, uh, we would love to pray for you. Um, the last thing really quick, this is not a shameless plug, I will say that. I'm not looking for followers or likes on Instagram. Um, but all of the images are on Instagram. In case there are any of those where you're like, yeah, that slide really resonated with me. Um, you can go ahead and go to my Instagram. All the images are there, and you're more than happy to sort of sit with it and think about it if there was anything like that. Uh, with that, Sarah's going to come up and lead us into communion. That was so good. <laughs> Yay, Joel. Thank you. That was great. So, yeah, you can take that. I guess I'm going to end up building off of what Joel shared. Oddly, it's funny how that works sometimes. But um, what I felt like I wanted to share today, initially doesn't sound super encouraging, but I promise we'll get there. I wanted to share about failure today. And I know that's not always our favorite topic, especially in society today when it's about accomplishments, it's about achievements, or even within the church, we like to talk about spiritual growth and steps forward and things that we're doing. But sometimes and often I know that I trip up or I fail in my life. I have old habits that show back up that are fueled by fear and they're fueled by insecurity. They cause me to be dishonest, to be selfish, and all these other things that creep back up. You know the saying, two steps forward, one step back. 
And usually after I end up taking a step backwards, I reprimand myself, and I'm usually filled with a lot of shame. Internally, I ask myself, why don't I know better? Why did I do that again? When will I get over that? And all of these questions of why am I still struggling, these are part of unhealthy habits or bad bad, uh, behavior patterns in me that I just want them to die off. I just want to cut it off in me and say, that's not a part of me. But when I come to Jesus and when I see the cross, that's not how Jesus approaches me. He wants to embrace all of me, not just the good parts. I usually want to put forward all these pretty parts, right? Like, look at me, look what I've learned, look what's good or amazing. But I am not only the good, pretty parts of my heart, I'm also the shadow part of my soul. This is the side of me where my insecurities and my fears usually live. I see these as mistakes, faults, personal failures, but I don't think Jesus sees them just as that. Instead, he sees past my fear, he sees past my insecurity to the root of my shadow self, which is a deep longing for love, a deep desire for wholeness, and a deep desire for belonging. And often my actions driven by the shadow self are about my deep desire for love. It just comes out in a really jumbled up, unhealthy way. It's my way to try to cover up my pain or try to cover up my fear. But that is why Jesus approaches this side of me, my failure or my shadow side, with an embrace. He knows the roots of my actions and he embraces me so that I learn that I am loved and that I belong. I begin to heal then and then I can develop new habits, new ways to approach things and new ways to walk forward. And over time, I find healthy ways to express this desire for love or things that I'm fearful about. But ultimately, it'll still sometimes be two steps forward, one step back. But no matter which direction I am going, Jesus embraces me. And I want you to believe, too, that Jesus embraces you. No matter if you took a step forward this week, if you took two steps backwards, whatever it is, in that moment, Right now, we come to the table to be embraced and to find love there. So as you take communion today, no matter what this week has brought for you, no matter where you feel like you are, Jesus greets us each the same, deeply embracing all the parts of our hearts, our souls, and our minds in his love. May you find his embrace today at the table, and may the Spirit lead you forward in figuring out better how to continue to take steps forward in health.